Well, good morning. I'm be welcoming you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here this festive time of year, which was not my favorite time of the year when I was younger and I owned my own businesses and I had to be open on Christmas and open on Thanksgiving and open on all the holidays. But it is truly now my favorite time of the year. It's a festive time of the year. It's a worshipful time of the year. It's a remembering time of the year. And we're just excited that you're joining us, whether it's in the room, whether you're joining us online on Facebook Live, or you're listening to the audio version of today's message. We're just excited about this time of the year. And, I, and I'm so excited about it. Let me tell you how excited I get. Uh, I, I have, uh, and I don't know whether I say this right, uh, I have been known to butcher a few words, but uh, it's either Cirrus or Sirius. Which one is it? The radio, the, the satellite? Sirius. Yeah, so I, you know, what, however you say it, uh, I have that in my car and uh, in my vehicle, and you know they give you what nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine different channels that you can listen to. Uh, I typically kind of land on two or three during the year, depending on my mood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, so, so, but but when November gets here, I start scanning through the channels looking for the Christmas music. I'm that guy. I mean, let me tell you. I had my stuff up at my house, Christmas decorations, the first week of November. I mean, and let me tell you, they will be up until January the 13th. I don't care what you like. I don't care what you think, okay? It's going to be there. I mean, I, I just love this time of year. I love the lights. I love the trees. I love the decorations. And we make a big deal around here about that kind of stuff. Uh, or we have in the past. The last couple of years have been a little bit different. But again, ba back to Christmas music. I started listening to Christmas music, I think, on November the 8th. And I love the old stuff. Andy Williams, Judy Garland, Mel Torme, Frank Sinatra, Nashville's own Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. I mean, I, here's the thing. I just love Christmas music. Uh, and I love the oldies. I love to hear the old crooners singing the Christmas songs. The Christmas songs that I grew up with, and I, I don't care who you are or what your age is, they're the Christmas songs that you've grown up with. But here's the thing. On Monday of this past week, something just kind of struck me. Do we actually know what the songs even mean? I mean, so much so that I kind of changed where I was going, and I, and I text Julio, and I said, hey, call me, I want to talk to you a minute. I've got a different idea. Because I want to know, do you even know where the songs that you sing came from? Do you even know where they originated? Because we sing the songs, and we sing along with the songs. But we know the words, but do we know what the words really mean? And my fear is this, that perhaps... We do the same things to the real Christmas songs, the real, the true songs of Christmas. The hymns, uh, the songs of the faith, the songs of the season that we have sung for generation after generation after generation. My fear is that we do the same thing with those worship anthems at Christmas. My fear is that we sing those gospel proclamations, and, and again, when we sing them, we sing the words, but we have really no idea what the words mean. So here's the thing. Let me tell you, can you just, from my lips to your ears, can I just tell you something? If you're singing words that you don't know what they mean, it's just noise. It's really just noise. So here's what I thought. We should never let this time of the year go by. We should never let this season of the year go by without stopping and giving some consideration to the words that are on our lips during the holiday season, during Christmas. Because it doesn't just need to be words on our lips. It needs to be truth in our hearts. Again, on Monday, as I was thinking about all of this, it kind of made me think of, of, of something that Jesus said. I, I, I want to show you these words from Jesus. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. This is what Jesus said. These people honor me with their words, but not with their hearts. 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they say the right things, but their hearts are far from me. Now, let me, let me just be very, really clear here, because Jesus was not talking about Christmas songs. But I think it applies to Christmas songs. The worship songs, the anthems, the gospel proclamations of Christmas. See, when Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, he was actually saying something that had already said, been said by the prophet Isaiah. So here's what I wondered. If, if Jesus and, our, and Isaiah are saying the very same thing, is there some kind of indication, is there some kind of reference that Jesus and Isaiah are making together that we need to pay attention to? These people honor me with their words, but their hearts are far from me. And you say, well, I don't think it has anything. To do. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas, but it has everything to do with Christmas. Because I think those words that you saw there just a moment ago, they apply more than you think as you sing the songs of Christmas. See, here, here's what I would say this morning. In a roundabout way, God is saying there are people who come to December and to Christmas, and you know what? They go through all the emotions, all the, all the routines, all the motions. They sing all the songs. They check all the boxes. They go through all the traditions, but they don't get it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And it brought me to a place where I said, you know what, we need to do something different this weekend. Because I thought, what, what would happen if we were to do something we've never done before? What would happen if we were to look at the songs of Christmas in a different way? That means that this morning, I want us to look at three different Christmas songs that we have sung or we will sing today. And I want you to understand what they truly mean. The very first song is this. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We just sang it. Look at the lyrics. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel, shall come to you, O Israel. That's a song that can truly find a place in your heart once you discover the meaning of Emmanuel. Look, look at Matthew 1, verse 23. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. The meaning of Emmanuel, most of you know it. If you don't know it, the meaning of Emmanuel is very simple. God with us. It's just a reminder that God is not far off. It's a reminder that, that God is not some distant God. But your God, our God, is a God who has walked among us. He is a God who came to us who came close, and this song serves as a reminder of that. A reminder that your God is a God who came close. He is a God who is with you. He's a God who came for you. And, and, and see, the, the words of this song are actually meant to stir up this excitement. 
The words of the song are actually meant to stir up this anticipation. It's actually the, the same anticipation that, that Mary and, Jesus, uh, and Joseph would have had had in their own life as they anticipated the very birth of Jesus. Because that's what Christmas is about. It's about the birth. It's about the waiting. It's about the anticipation of the birth of Jesus. And as we sing this song together like we did just a moment ago in worship, it just serves as a reminder of who God is as well as the things that God has done. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to give you some history on these songs, things that you probably have never heard about. But this, of all the Christmas songs, is probably the oldest Christmas song that we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It was written in the ninth century by an unknown writer. However, a man by the name of John Mason Neal discovered it in the 19th century, and he dusted it off. And he cleverly put some music to it. Now, here's what's interesting about this song. Originally, this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, was sung with, with two alternating choirs. These two choirs singing back and forth over each other. It's just like, it's like a reminder of the body of Christ coming together to echo over one another, to encourage one another with the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the truth about God and what God has done. And when you think about it, that's what worship really is. See, worship is remembering. Worship is remembering. This, this season of Christmas is really a season of remembering. It's, it's about you and I remembering our Savior that has come to us, our Messiah that is here. That in the midst of our brokenness and sin, that, that He came down to rescue us. Because that's who He is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And see, so we sing this song, and, and, and usually we only sing two verses. But originally, there were seven verses that were written in Latin. And each one of those verses talks or speaks of the different aspects of this God that was to come. They would sing, O come thou Lord, O come thou wisdom, O come thou day spring. Each day they would sing and each day would build upon the next day with anticipation about this arrival that was to come. And, and here's the thing I want you to understand. Listen, each verse was intended to be sung as a prayer. One prayer sung each day. Leading up to Christmas, and on Christmas, they would sing the final prayer or the final verse, which was what we sang just a moment ago, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And see, it's a beautiful thing. When you actually think about this song as a culmination of prayers, a culmination of, of us as God's people coming together and crying out to God himself. I mean, you can just hear God's people crying out to God. But that's not all this song is. You see, in this song, there is a response. Because in this song, there was a hidden message. You see, in the original Latin language, if you were to take the first word of every verse in the song, it would spell out the phrase eros. 
And air cross simply means I'll be with you tomorrow. So the thing that is so neat about this song is it, it's not just about our longing. It's not just about the anticipation of, of what God is going to bring. It's not just about who God is going to be. But it's actually a representation of his promise to us. Because this song is about the promise of his presence with us. And see that hidden meaning? It's almost like in response that God hears the culmination of the prayers and that God says, I will be with you tomorrow. And I'll be with you today. And the day after that. And the day after that. Because the song is about God's promise and his presence with us. To be with us. So you say, what does that mean? It means that wherever you find yourself today, listen, listen to me. I know I'm speaking directly to somebody today. It means that wherever you find yourself today, whether you find yourself in a season of great joy or a season of great sorrow, you can be assured that God is with you. That in your coming and in your going, that in the daily moments of your life, you can be assured because God has promised that he's with you. He's with you in the car line at school tomorrow. He'll be with you in the meeting. He'll be with you in those dreams that you feel like they just haven't materialized in your life. He'll be with you in that grief this morning that feels like it's too much to bear. He'll be with you in the hope that is to come. In all of it, he'll be with you. All of it, always, he'll be with you. So as I thought about this song, my prayer this Christmas season is that this song will serve to you as a reminder of not just what is to come, but a continual reminder of God's presence in your life right now. And again, as we sit here and as we have sung this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, I just want us to reflect on God's presence that is available to us. May we too, like the song says, may we rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel has come to meet us. Here's our next song. Oh, holy night. Look, look at the lyrics of this song. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break. For the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise me. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory forevermore proclaim. O night divine. O night, O night divine. I know you're going to be with me on this. It doesn't feel like Christmas until you sing this song, right? Come on, somebody. It don't feel like Christmas until you sing O Holy Night. I mean, it just doesn't feel like Christmas. 
And you know, when I think of all of the Christmas songs, it's like, oh, holy night is the undisputed champion of the world when it comes to a Christmas carol. I mean, you just can't outdo that song. And can I just say something? It's this song that always brings a tear to my eye. I mean, you love this song because you're, you're sitting on the edge of your seat. And you just can't wait to see if whoever sing it's going to be able to hit the high note. Am I right? I mean, because I, I, I go, I, I build up and then I go, I mean, I mean it's, I'm just bad, but I, but I love it. I, I, I want to say something that you're going to think is a little funny, but I want you to YouTube it this afternoon. NSYNC brought this song to a whole nother level. Just look this afternoon and see NSYNC's version of Oh Holy Night. It's a whole nother level. See, this song was written in 1847. Actually written in France. Where there was a local priest who had invited to his town a poet. And, and they wanted to actually get together and collaborate and write something for their Christmas. And the thing that's really interesting about the poet who wrote Oh Holy Night, this guy didn't even go to church. And yet he pins these incredible words. This poet is, is so struck by the words that came out of his own pen that he actually invites a Jewish man to come in and to, to set these words to music. And he brought those words and this song to this Christmas service in 1847. See, if you could bring that to today, you would say it went viral. If they had a top 40 in 1847, this song would have been on the top 40. Because this was the song that people were singing no matter where they went. Oh, holy night. And here's something else that's really interesting about this song. You see, there was a season that the church would not allow this song to be sung within the walls of the church. Imagine that, right? But they wouldn't allow this song to be sung. Why would they not allow this song to be sung in the church walls? Because it was written by a man who didn't go to church. And the man who did the music was Jewish. So the Catholic church in France said, we're not going to sing this song anymore. But listen, the people never stopped singing it. The people out in the stores were singing the song. The people out in the streets, they kept singing it. They kept singing it in their homes, and they were singing it everywhere that they went. And since then, it has become this popular anthem. And like I said, for as long as I can remember, this is that one song that brings me to tears. Because since I was a child, it's like the words of this song have marked my life. I mean, think about it. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Those words, my friends, listen to me this morning. Those words are simply incredible. And you know, I got to thinking, those words line up with the very words that came out of the mouth of Jesus. So many scriptures line up with the truth 
of the words that were penned in 1847. I mean, Jesus told us to love one another. And by our love for each other, then the world will know that we are his disciples. I think of that prayer that Jesus actually prays in John chapter 15. Where he says that we are supposed to be so united together. We're supposed to be so united with one another just as the Father and the Son are united that we are to be so united with one another that the world would know that God is real and that God sent his son Jesus. The thing that I love about this song is that it's not just about who God is, although that's important. But this song is also about our response to who God is. You see, the truth is that this God who came in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, he calls out to us. He calls us to a deeper love. He calls us to a truer peace. He calls us to change. And that's what this song does. It calls you and I to change. There's a legend that goes on with the history of this song. And the legend is that during the late 1800s, during the Franco-Perusian War, the French and the Germans are at war with one another. And here they are on the battlefield leading up to Christmas. And the story goes like this, that on Christmas Eve, a French soldier, In the trenches, on Christmas Eve, a French soldier laid down his weapon and stood up out of the foxhole and put himself onto the battlefield without a weapon. And he began to sing in French the lyrics of this song, O Holy Night. the story says that on the other side, on the enemy side, there was a German who climbed out of his bunker. And he set aside his weapon. And in German, he began to sing the lyrics of this song, O Holy Night. It was these united across different languages united across two different cultures united across two different perspectives but they stood up out of the trench and out of the foxhole and they began to sing these gospel truths and it's because of that moment that on the next day, on Christmas Day, there was a ceasefire. That everyone should lay down their weapons in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what I thought? The words of this song call us to do that today. The words of this song call us to do the very same thing today. The words of this song call out to you and I right now to set aside the things that separate us, to set aside the things that divide us. These words call out to us to lay down our weapons and our perspectives and our opinions and to become united together around the gospel of Jesus Christ. across languages and ethnicities and cultures. The words of this song tell us that those things pale in comparison to the truth of who Jesus is 
because Jesus is way better than any of those things. His law is love. And his gospel is peace. And one of the things that we should all, listen to me, Crossroads, that we should all be reminded during this Christmas season is that in the name of Jesus, all oppression, in the name of Jesus, all injustice, all division, in the name of Jesus, all those things that separate us from one another, that in his name, all those things Let me move on to our next song. It's the one we sang at the very beginning of the service today, Joy to the World. Look at, look at the lyrics on the screen behind me. You may have that insert also in your worship guide. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven can I just be honest with you this morning? I, 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 if, if I could get, you know, um, uh, if, if I could get in sync, oh, in sync, you know what I'm saying? If I could get in sync, and if I could really sing, I'd love to be able to sing that song to you. I mean, I, I got a couple of pastor friends, you know, they can just break out in song, and they sound just killer, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, but, but, but man, I would empty this room faster than people with diarrhea, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it would be out of here. If I started singing that song, joy to the world. But that's what I want to sing. Now, let me just tell you, if you're visiting with us, I say words like diarrhea every now and then, okay? So anyway, it's called diarrhea of the mouth, okay? That's it. But this is the most published Christmas song since the 19th century. And when you think about it, great, the greatest of the greatest of the greatest are the people who have sung this song. Celine Dion, Elton John, Myra, Car Myra Carey, Whitney Houston. I mean, they, they've all done joy to the world. And see, here's the thing. If you're like me and you've been listening to Christmas music since November, now I'm going to say I can almost... I'm not sure that you would have heard the first two songs that we've already talked about, but I can almost guarantee that you've already heard Joy to the World. I mean, it's a song that's been included in everything. I mean, think about movie soundtracks, Christmas Vacation, Clark Griswold singing Joy to the World, only to discover what? There's no power. There's no lights. There's no joy. See, that's the thing I think we make a mistake with. We talked about this last week. Because if we're not careful, we think that joy comes to us at Christmas when everything is perfect. When the house is decorated and the tree is lit and the presents are neatly wrapped and the plans for all of the family to be gathered together around Christmas, that's when we think we'll experience joy. We think that everything has to be perfect if we're going to experience joy. But can we just be honest for a moment? None of us have it all together. And none of you, like me, will have everything in place this Christmas. But you know what? We can still experience joy this Christmas. So think about the words to the song. Where do, where do the words come from? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. I mean, where, where does that come from? Well, there was a guy by the name of Isaac Watts that in 1719, he was putting together something called the Psalms of David. And it was not a book of Psalms. It was actually a book of poetry called the Psalms of David. And in these writings, these poetry 
things that he put together. He, he takes the, the Old Testament Psalms, and in those Psalms, he interweaves the subtle images of a New Testament Christ. And that is where he pins a poem called The Coming Messiah and Kingdom. And in this poem would come the words of the song that you and I know as joy to the world. Because listen to me this morning, joy to the world was never intended to be sung as a song. It was intended to be read as a poem. But you and I know it as this really famous Christmas song, a Christmas carol. I mean, think about it this morning. When you sing the song, Joy to the World, you know, it's just natural for you to get this image in your mind, don't you? I mean, you naturally sing joy to the world. And what's the image that most people get? Most of us get the image of this, this beautiful little baby wrapped snugly in those strips of cloth, lying in a manger. But remember when Isaac Watts wrote that? He wasn't just picturing this, this picture of this Old Testament Messiah. But instead, this New Testament Christ who had come and had lived and had died and had, ri and had risen and was coming again. You see, joy to the world is not only about the birth of Jesus, but that song is really also about his second coming. I mean, just, just think about that today. Think about the beauty of the second coming of Jesus. And I know for some of you that's hard. Because you would say, I can't imagine the second coming of Jesus because, Randy, I'm just not there yet. We're not fully there yet because we haven't experienced the excitement of his first coming. But if you're here this morning or watching online and you have, like I have, experienced the joy of his first coming, then we already know that that's just in part. Because the ultimate fulfillment and joy to this world, it comes in the victorious return of Jesus Christ. So here's what I would tell you this morning. When you sing those songs, Joy to the World, when you hear that song, those, sing those words and sing that song, don't, let, me, let me just tell you, don't make the mistake of just picturing that baby in the manger. Instead, see this reigning king that is coming for you. See this reigning king that is coming for us. The song says, Joy to the World, let the earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare for him. Now think about that. Let every heart prepare him room. And see, you, you, you sing right past that, and you, and you don't even understand that that's been hard since the very birth of Jesus. I mean, think about it. it it's been hard to prepare room for Jesus since the very beginning. I mean, the story tells us there, there was no room for him in the inn. There was no room for him in the village of Nazareth where he grew up. There was no room for him in the streets of Jerusalem among the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was no room for him there. And admit in the midst of the Roman Empire and their, their, their conquering army, There was no room for Jesus. There was no room for Jesus on the horrific day of his death. But joy to the world, because there was no grave that could hold him. 
joy to the world. There was no room that can hold him. In his grave, he would arise from the tomb, showing his power over death and hell and the grave. And that's the joy that we sing about at Christmas. And so I would just tell you this morning that as you approach Christmas, and I know things are already getting chaotic. I mean, you know, I mean, we, you know, people are gone visiting family this weekend, next weekend, and they'll, they'll kind of come back around Christmas. But you know, it gets chaotic. And as Christmas approaches and things get a little unsure, and maybe the family that you've begun, but, you know, been accustomed to gathering around the Christmas tree is going to look a little different this year. It's, it's got the chaos of the season already saying, can, can it just slow down a little bit? And it begs to ask the question, can we prepare him room? Can we slow down enough this Christmas and take the time to prepare him room? Because let me tell you this morning, it's my heart that as we have looked at these just three songs, these Christmas carols. I don't want these just to be words on your lips. But I want you to sing them. And as you sing them, I want them to be truths in your heart. So that's what I'm asking you to do this Christmas. Just make room. Make room for Jesus. Maybe what you need to do is just read the Christmas narrative from the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke. Maybe, maybe get up on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. Just gather the family around the tree. And I know the excitement of the gifts and the Playstations and the Apple this and the Apple that and yeah, 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 whatever, you know. I get all that. But get your family together and you open the Bible and read the Christmas story to your family. Maybe why don't you take the time, dads, to pray with your family. Take an opportunity to serve here with us on Christmas Eve, the 23rd and the 24th. Oh, I can't do that. I've got, you know, I got to make dressing. I got to cook the ham. Let me tell you, the dressing and the ham will wait. There's a sign-up sheet out there on the information kiosk, and we're just asking you to give us some time on the 23rd. We're just asking you to make room. Because you know what will happen? Again, we haven't had Christmas Eve in two years. It's been 2019. This is, we're kind of, kind of starting all over, it feels like. It's going to be great. It's going to be gospel-centered. But sign up out there and say, you know what? I'll give you some time on one of those days. Prepare him room. Make room this Christmas season. you bow your heads and pray with me this morning every head bowed every eye closed I want to pray two different prayers this morning first of all I want to pray for those of us who have already experienced the excitement of Emmanuel God with us but maybe over the course of time and our life We've, got, we've actually bought into the busyness. We've, we've got preoccupied with all the things except Jesus. I just want to pray for those of us who have already experienced Emmanuel God with us, that this year we would be those people who would stop and disengage from the chaos, and we would make room for Him. The second prayer is for those of you that have never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today you realize that inside you, in your heart of hearts, there's something that's missing. And today's the day in this season of Christmas that you want to put your faith and your trust in believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Emmanuel, God with us, sinless Savior 
who lived, died, rose again, and is returning for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, this morning, I just lift up those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus. That we would remove ourselves from the chaos of Christmas and prepare and make room for Him. That we would change our focus this year and let that focus be on Jesus. That we would look for Him as our soon coming King. And that when we sing joy to the world, that's the joy we're looking for. That's the joy we're experiencing. Maybe this morning you've never placed your faith in Jesus. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you will be saved. Maybe right there where you're seated, whether it's in this room, whether you're watching online in your office or in your home, in the living room, in the kitchen, wherever you are. Maybe you just need to pray a prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I believe that you, you are who you say you are. You are Emmanuel. You are God who came and walked among us. You're the God who died for us, paying the price that we could not pay. And today, Jesus, I put my faith in you, believing that you are who you say you are and that you will forgive my sin and that I will experience joy unspeakable and full of glory because of the faith that I have placed in you. Today, Jesus, I, I turn from the life that I'm living in and look to you to be the finisher, the author of my faith. Let me tell you, every head bowed, every eye closed, in just a moment, if you have a moment and you can write that, indicate that on a tear-off, that you made that decision, we want to lead you into the next steps, which is baptism. We observed that last week. You can write that on the tear-off or you can send me an email, randy, R-A-N-D-Y, at crossroadslebanon.com. God, for the rest of us, for all of us. May this be a time when we focus on Jesus. His birth, his life, his death, his return. God, we love you and we thank you for this time. As we ask this prayer in Jesus' name.
Doesn't just knowing a little about more about these songs make them totally different. It changes your perspective. But here's the thing I want you to change more than anything. Prepare him room. Make room for him in your life. Make room for him this Christmas season. 